Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Carol, what is the, your favorite house color that's painted out here? Now, you might say, that is so dumb. Why, why, aren't you going to talk about the hypostatic union and about theology? No, 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 no. What's your, now, me knowing what her favorite color is helps me know a little bit about her design, you know, HDTV in her mind kind of thing. So I, um, so she looked. I said, now, look all around. Look on. She did, she did, she did, she did, she did. And then she said, did you pick out one? Yeah, I picked out one too. And just to show you how weird we are, we picked the same house, the same exact house. Now, why am I telling you that? We had to pitch our eyes and evaluate and to look which one. In God's Word, I'm not going to look at the Bible and pick out which verses I like and which ones I don't, which ones I agree with, which ones I don't agree with. What I do want to do, though, is I want to pitch my eyes to the Word as long as my eyes have the ability to see. Because sometimes when I'm seeing it, I'm looking at passages all up and down, all the way. Get yourself a good Bible. Get yourself a, a leather Bible or a Bible that you know you're going to have a long time with big enough print, preferably a study Bible, preferably a Bible that has a literal translation rather than a paraphrase or something like that, and own that Bible with a pen. Hear it. Read it. Look at the verse. This is coming from Revelation, probably one of the least read books in the Bible other than the tiny little prophets in the Old Testament. And here's what it said. Blessed is he or she who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. I like that, two in one verse, reads and hears. But also says, and heeds the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So you are blessed if you read it, you hear it, but you also apply it. We'll talk about that later. Let's look at the third bullet point. There are six of these. You need to study the word. You need to study it. In other words, it's not just reading it. So I often say, can I do this? Um, Many years ago when we were in North Carolina living, remember that church I talked about? They would have wells there. Not every house had water. A lot of houses, you would get the rainwater that would then fill up into the ground. Then you'd have a, a big, huge well-like, and they would, they would plummet sometimes two or 300 feet into the mountain to find the water source there. And then they would suck up whatever water that they had, and then it would spill over into a big catchment. Uh, maybe half the size of this uh, stage up here, and they would collect the water. Then in that, they would then have a pump at the bottom, at the bottom, that would suck up the water that would go into your house, and you would literally, literally drink that. There'd be no filter. There would be no chlorine. There'd be no fluoride. There'd be nothing. You'd just drink that. I said all that to say this. They never took the water from the top of the tank. The pump always went to the water at the bottom of the tank. Now, I know at the bottom you have the sediment, but right above the bottom is the purest of water because the stuff that isn't floats to the top. Now, with that horrible, weak illustration, let me show you what I mean. We can listen to the babbling brook. We can look at the top of the water and know that there's some great truths here. But it's when we plummet its depths by studying this, when we take it in its entirety... I'm going to tell you that you will see God as He really is revealed in Scripture and you can't but help love Him with all of your heart and seek Him and want Him. You've got to do it by study. That's why it says, by these wonderful Bereans, now these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. And I like the next phrase, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. 
They were checking it out, making sure it was accurate. And that word examine means they studied it. The next is they memorized it. They memorized it. You know, it's important that um, we not only drink it, but we let it change us. And memorization is really the thing that does it. Now, I know it's hard to memorize, so let me give you a little trick. Um, many years ago, someone asked me if I'd memorized Psalm 119. You'd heard the story already, and it has 176 verses in it. So I chose to compartmentalize the whole psalm up into topics so that the verses weren't verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. It was like in the subjects of whole heart and teaching and quicken or to be made alive or to seek the Lord, all subjects. So I had like a, a, a running counseling commentary on Psalm 119. But it was hard for me to memorize it. Then there was a guy that came out with a memorization plan that really worked. It was called the Ron Hood memorization plan. Basically, it boiled down to this. You'll memorize it. We'll say, you'll learn it. You'll forget it. You'll learn it again. You'll forget it again. You'll learn it. You'll forget it. You'll learn it. Forget it. Learn it. Forget it. Learn it. Forget it. Learn it. You got it. Did you catch that? You got to do it again and again and again. Then finally, you got it. So those of you that are out there, you're going to get it. I was teaching this and I had a Vietnam veteran came up to me and he says, my mind is so I took drugs and I, I can't really remember, I can't remember what I memorized. And so what I told him, I said, God loves you and I love you too. And he understands. So don't worry about trying to memorize it. No, I didn't say that. I said, you do the best you can. And if you can't spit it back after you memorize it, don't worry about it. Do you know why? Because if you are focused on this, you're trying to keep it in your mind, it is still supernatural. Because it's a supernatural word. It's going from your mind through your spirit, into your soul, and somehow it will captivate you in a way that you might not quote that verse exactly right, but it will change you. He said, I'll do it. And for one year, he did the best he could at memorizing Scripture, and I saw that man grow in the Lord like he's never grown before. The next is you need to meditate in it. That means after you memorize it, you need to think about it throughout the day. And you're making decisions. What does the Word have to say? You have to relate to someone about an issue. How would the Lord want me to do this? What does the Word say about, should I do this? Should I give him more time? Should I pray with him? Should I confront him? What, word, what verse would be the best? How would I do this? Maybe someone else. What's the wisdom in all of this? You're medit- and some of you say, I can meditate. I don't know how to meditate. Everyone, look at you. Every one of you meditate. You know how I know you meditate? Watch this. If you worry, you meditate. You know, what med- you know what worry is? Thinking about negative issues, thinking about negative thoughts. That's what makes you worry. So I'm going to say, if you know how to think about that which is negative and fearful and causes you to worry, that's meditation. Now what you do is you transfer that same spiritual, mental gymnastics on the Word and get to know the book and think about the book. Think about the words. Think about the truth. Think about the God of the truth. Think about how that can change your life. Think about how that's going to influence your family and others. And I'm going to tell you, there is a supernatural thing that goes on, and that's what it means to seek God with a whole heart. You meditate on it. The last one is you need to apply it. You need to apply it. A lot of people can go through all of it. I hear it. I read it. I memorize it. I meditate on it. I got, I got, that, I got that stand. But they forget about the importance of now letting it change their lives. If you will, look at the verse there, James 1.22. I, I could not commentate on this any better than what the Word of God says right here. So I'm just going to read it to you. And I want you to think in terms of the importance of applying it. And what is God telling me about doing it? In other words, you engage God. You know God. Wholeheartedly seek Him when you are applying it to your life. Here is what it says, James 1.22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word. And not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he looks at himself, gone away, he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty now, not the law of works, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Now, I've said a lot about the Word, and last week I told you that I had a surprise for you. You will find at the back end of your, your uh, outline that I've given to you a response to a request I made to our son Joe about Psalm 119, because all but four verses of it are prayers to the Lord regarding the Word of God. And so I asked him to do a study with no help from me, just with his Bible. He's got a study Bible. He said, Dad, I just went to the Word. It's taken me a week. I pondered it. I thought about it. I compared Scripture. And then he then responded by writing to me an email, which you see here. Now, I know some of you want to read it, but I'd like you to maybe read it a little bit later because I want to finish my two points. But what it is on is simply this. It's on knowing the Lord wholeheartedly, especially as the Word of God is the catalytic agent of knowing the Lord from Psalm 119. You look at that. Let's go to the next principle, shall we? Principle number four. These will go more quickly because these are built upon the foundation that took more time to lay. We see God wholeheartedly by surrendering with brokenness to the Lordship of Christ in our life. Now that is primarily spoken to those who know Christ as Savior. If you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, your surrendering to His Lordship means this. It means that you believe that Jesus Christ is God. He is large and in charge. He is all God. You surrender to Him. Not that He is owner of your life yet, necessarily, but that He wants to own your life, that He has a plan for your life. And for you to engage that, you are going to obey the Lord to get saved. And what you're going to obey Him in is this, when He says, believe. And when he says, believe in me, you then respond as he is the Lord in obedience to him by placing your faith alone in him. That activates now the Lord really practically in your life for all eternity in this special way. Now, for those of you that know the Lord, I want you to know you got saved by believing Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again. But I don't want you to compartmentalize your life and simply say, yeah, he's my savior, but I'm going to go ahead with the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, he's my fire insurance. But I'm going to go ahead with the rest of my life and do what I really want. What he wants is I saved you because I am the Lord and I am to be the active Lord in your life. Now, I don't make him Lord. He's already Lord, okay? I don't have to make him Savior. He's already Savior. He becomes my Savior when I trust him. He now becomes an active Lord in my life, the Lord in my life, when I yield to him in obedience with my mind, heart, and life. All right, so that's the point we're trying to make here. And that is that we are fully engaging him, surrendering ourselves to him being the Lord of our life. Psalm 51 says this. For you do not delight in sacrifice. That's the outward things. Otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. The point of that verse is simply this. We surrender to the Lord in brokenness when we give him our heart. It's not just our outward deeds. We start with the heart. I like the way Chuck Sundahl said one time. He says, if your heart is right, your feet will follow. (laughs) Don't you like that? If your heart is right, your feet will follow. That's really biblical. Take care of your heart and the rest will take care of itself. The second verse is one that we've often memorized. It says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies. And that word present means once and for all. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
So in other words, you work with your heart, your mind, you transform that as you're giving your whole life, your body, your life to the Lord. And that's what's a good and acceptable, perfect will of God for us. Number five, we seek God wholeheartedly by obeying the Lord moment by moment. A life lived in holiness. In other words, we don't pick and choose what we're going to obey and what we're going to do. We want all of it. May I appeal to you for just a moment, the parents that are here? Do you want, um, do you want your kids to only obey some of the things you have, have them do, tell them to do, or all of the things? You answer that out loud. Part of them or all of them? All of them. Why? Because you have their best interest in mind and you want to show them that you're the big cheese in the house. No. Everything you ask them to do is to help build discipline, to keep them safe, prepare them for the future, etc. You have them do these things for a purpose. All right. God has that in our life. So we don't pick and choose. Maybe if we pick and choose, it's like a, it's like a person who looks at a recipe and says, I like this, I like that, but I don't like this. I don't want my oven on so long. It costs too much electricity, so I'll only leave it on for five minutes when I bake these cookies. You don't pick and choose if you want to have the right results. You pick all of this because you know that it's all right so you can get all the results that you know God wants for you and he always has your best interest in mind. And when we're right, then he gets the greatest glory because it is all about him. That's the point that this is making here. We don't pick and choose. And so we do it. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So in other words, the heart's right, the commandments will follow. 1 Peter 1, 14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. You didn't know better. But like the Holy One who called you, you be holy yourself, also in all your behavior. In other words, you need to be like Christ. Here's the last principle, and I want to end with this. And this one here I would love to open up, and I don't have time to, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of it. This one is, we seek God wholeheartedly by gathering together with others who seek God wholeheartedly. I know that I speak a lot about our aloneness with the Lord, and I pray that you guys can have an aloneness with the Lord. Whether you have to, at lunchtime, go to your pick-em-up truck, sit there with your sandwich and your Bible, and you have alone time with God, or whether you get to the office before they put on the coffee pot, and you have your aloneness with the Lord, or whether you mothers go into the bathroom and lock the door and sit on the commode lid with your Bible so you have your quiet time, you need an alone time with God. I got that. I hope you get that. Now, on the other hand... I want you to know that there is incredible value where the Lord then brings the people of God together in a wholehearted unity of fellowship with one another, connecting together to God, together to God, together to God, together to God. And it's found in this one particular passage. In Nehemiah, you're going to find that the children of Israel were kind of really kind of scattered and all over the place. And now what happens? They're coming back to the Lord with a wholehearted experience. Open your Bibles for a second. I want to show you what it says and then we'll be gone. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah 8 is a very pivotal chapter in Nehemiah. It's a very important chapter because Nehemiah chapter 8, if you have the time to do this, I want you to see that there are three responses to the Word of God and the fourth one is found in chapter 9. The first one is they intellectually respond to the Lord. The children of Israel coming together around their leaders to seek God. They are now listening to their leaders and they're understanding God's Word from their leaders. So in other words, they're intellectualizing, they're understanding that which they're about to do so they really know the right God and serve Him and worship Him with a whole heart the right way so that the intellectual understanding so these leaders are making sense of it all. That's my joy, my, uh, uh, my desire today is that you would intellectually engage in this truth, that you are hearing it together, you're believing it together, you understand it to be true and I pray that I made it clear. I pray I made this clear to you. But I didn't stop there. 
Verses 1 through verse 8 is the intellectual. Verse 9 through verse 12 is the emotional. You're going to see what they were doing. They were putting dirt on their head. They were doing certain things. And all of a sudden, they were told, hey, no, what you want to do is you want to celebrate this festival. Yeah, you want to own your sin, but once you do, I want you to celebrate the greatness and the goodness of God. So he said, emotionally, fellowship with the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. It's a festival. It's a time to get together to worship the great God. And so when we come here to church together... We come together because we want to know truth. We, we, we don't miss Sunday school. We come to the services. We want to hear the word of God. We want to talk about God's word. We want to know. But then we also want to emotionally engage it. Whatever your personality style is, it's a time for us to do business with our sin. We, we confess it. We get forgiveness. And when that is, we're cleansed. And when we're cleansed, there's joy and rejoicing. We want to enjoy the Lord here. That's why we don't play funeral music because we didn't just die. We're alive in Christ. But we don't just play happy music because happy music sometimes will candy coat over the cancer that we have. So we have to deal with that. But all together, we end with celebration. Then if you want to, verse 13 through verse 18, it talks a lot about the volition. This is where they're starting to make choices. They're going to go and make booths. Now, that's an, I, oh, I wish I had time to preach. These booths that they were making, they hadn't, they hadn't made the booths this way since the days of Joshua, which were hundreds and hundreds of years before then. And the reason they were to make the booths were basically two reasons. The first reason they made the booths, because it means tabernacles. It was a time to remind the children of Israel that while they were wandering all over the wilderness, God was tabernacling with them in the tabernacle. He was there present with them on the mount of the tabernacle, fire, cloud. The second, it was done at the festival of when they were bringing in the harvest in September and October to remind them that God not only protected them, not only led them, not only was with them, but also provided for them. So they were then to make these little booths to kind of remind that when you have a booth, that's where you live. That's where you are. It's a tabernacle. And that's to remind them, not the booth so much, but the booth reminded them of the tabernacling of God, that God is right there in their presence. Stay with me. And so what these people did, they did the first day they came, they began to celebrate. Then they said, oh, we've got to make all these booths out there. So they went out in the fields. They got all these branches and tree limbs and all of this stuff. And they brought it back to their houses, to the roofs of their houses, to the big place in front of where they worshiped. They had them all over the place, probably thousands of these booths. And all they were doing was remembering that God was there with them. They were seeking God and they recognized His presence. And I don't even have the time to tell you when they were being taught all of the history about what God did for and through the children of Israel. Not because the children of Israel were great, but to show God strength and presence in their life. Now, why would I end on this in this whole passage right here? It's because I want us to seek the Lord with the whole heart individually. But when you're picking out your clothes on Sunday morning and you're going to gather with us together, that you're thinking, I'm going to be with other believers. It's not, I hope I look nice. I mean, that's part of it. You don't want to wear, you know, junky stuff. And, and st- you know, I don't want to get into the style of clothes, but you, you want to come clean. But when you show up, you pull in here, and the first thing you're doing is not the first parking place. You're looking, where could I park where other people could find a place that makes it easier for them? We don't mind walking. We don't mind carrying our stuff a little further so others have a place. And when we drop our people off, our kids, our family off, we're out here in the lanai, and it's all about, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. This is the Lord's Day on Sunday for us to meet together. We're seeking Him together. Watch this, watch this. We don't want to do anything in the fellowship time, the classrooms, the parking lot, even in your own cars and living rooms that will hinder that person for perhaps seeking God. So we want to seek Him together. And we're going to do what we can to make that path as straight as we can so we come in. Then when we arrive in this room right here, it's not about, oh God, worship, where's my seat and how's this going? It's all about the Lord. Now it doesn't mean we can't talk about some of our life that week. But remember, think, 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 think. 
I'm seeking the Lord and I want to say things that will remind them this is what God has been doing in my life. I think I, um, I think I gave you enough for today. I pray now that our church would start first as an individual that we would seek God wholeheartedly. First, if you haven't trusted Him as your Savior, please run to Him right now. You do not know when your heart will beat its last heartbeat. And if you do not know Christ, you will spend eternity separated from Him in a Christless place called hell. Run to Him and throw yourself on Him in total dependent faith and faith alone. Not your works. Not faith and your works. But your faith in Christ. Once you've done that, you keep that. You loved Him because He saved you. It was His goodness that brought about a change of mind in you. Now remember His goodness for the rest of your life so it completely changes you and you seek Him. Not so that you have a spare tire when you have a wreck. It's because you want to enjoy Him forever no matter what life gives you because it's all about Him. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I kind of spoke a lot now. Now let me be quiet for a few moments. And let the Holy Spirit, who wanted you and me to hear this message, begin to do business in our heart. He's there. Every single one of you. The Spirit is right there. I want you to know that Almighty God sees you alone as an individual right now. He's right here. This is not like going to a movie where we all kind of saw the same show. We're in the same room. We heard the same message. But God is right here with you right now. This is His message to you and to me right now. If you're struggling with the connection of this message to you, I urge you in all the love that I can, I can express to you, I urge you to seek someone who knows the word that can help you navigate through that that you're going through, all that emotion, all those, all those thoughts that you might have, all the confusion you might have right now. But don't dismiss this. Please don't. Don't wait. Ask yourself, why did God bring me here today? Why, why did God have pastor give me this message today what about this message today that God wanted me to hear make a difference if today's the day you are going to the Lord and placing your faith alone in him for the full forgiveness of your sin I'm going to hang around afterwards you come on up and shake my hand and tell me if, and We'll have a brief little time together. Or maybe on that little card that you received in your bulletin or worship folder there, put your name on it. Check it off on the back. I believe in Christ and leave a number and maybe I'll reach out to you. And somehow, I'd like to know if you trusted Christ. I'm here for you. Those of you that are wanting to seek Him wholeheartedly, today's the day you've got to offload some stuff, change your calendar, work with your schedule, figure it out. And I'm going to tell you, as you grow in your intimacy, it becomes easier and easier 
although the temptations to step aside becomes greater and greater, you will enjoy Him and know Him forever. He is altogether lovely. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for today, and I thank You the way that You never leave us nor forsake us, and that, Father, that if we seek You, that we will find You and You will be found. And so, Lord, I thank You for that. I thank You for the promise that You so carefully give to us in Your Word. And now, Lord, I pray that out of these six principles of seeking You with a whole heart, that You now, through Your Spirit, will reveal to us areas that we need to get more in line because at the bottom of our life, when we seriously consider all this, Father, I believe we're smart enough to know that it really is all about you and we do need to seek you wholeheartedly and we want to. So Lord, help us now. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,